Hello, citizens of the realm. Welcome to yet another episode of Press A Gaming, part of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. This is your sometimes co-host, Black Wings 13, also known as UA, here with Wild High 77. I stole Zephyr Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Zephyr can't make it here tonight because he's not part of tonight's topic. And tonight's topic is... Chris and me reviewing Final Fantasy VII Remake. That is correct. I, I did a I did a personal review for for Sounds Dicey Gaming uh, of it, but yeah, we we definitely wanted to dig a lot deeper since you were and I, as far as I know, are the only ones who've beaten the game in Realm of the Mist. Yeah, which is honestly a crying shame because I've been telling Zephyr and I've been telling Anvil that they need to both pick this up because I don't know about you, but. I personally enjoyed the hell out of it. I I did, and 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 like I said in my review, like um, you like you asked me without watching the review, you asked me my overall score of it, and and I told you the the game itself, I would give a nine point four out of ten. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it was a really well done game, but that ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to the ending oh, in a little bit. We'll get there, that, yeah. That 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 one I feel is going to be the meat and cheese of this episode. Is just talking about that ending thirty minutes right there. But before we dig into that, spoiler warning for anybody who has not beaten the game. If you haven't beaten the game and you don't want it spoiled for you, guys, stop listening right now. Put this in your watch later or your listen later catalog. Come back to us when you've beaten the game. Otherwise, if you don't mind it being spoiled for you, we're going to be talking about this game. And we're, prob- and, we're probably going to be something, letting some cats on. out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, some, something that needs to be kept in mind really, really carefully here, people, is if you have played the original Final Fantasy VII and think that this is a port over with updated graphics and updated combat... You're only half right. Square Enix upped the ante on this game tremendously, and there's a lot of new story and new material in this that if you are curious about, please put this in your watch later list and come back after you've beaten it because we're going to open this can of worms and there's no coming back. Yeah. I, I Don't say we didn't warn you. So at this point, stop. Put us in the watch later. Come back when you've beaten the game. Otherwise... We're going into it now. Yep. And my first thing that I'm going to say is, question for you, did you play the demo that came out a month before it released? Oh, absolutely. I had to, and I, I was thrilled that it was like the it was like 1997 all over again. It was the same demo that you got at PlayStation Magazine or alongside that, that really crappy samurai game from Squaresoft. Mm-hmm. Where they gave you the de- uh, the 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 first bombing run, make uh, Mako reactor bombing run, uh, just yeah. new remake style, but it was the exact same, exact same thing. It was wonderful. The only, the only difference between the two is obviously you got to look at everything with the most beautiful set of graphics, completely updated. It basically looked as if you were playing. The Final Fantasy VII Advent Children version in terms of the graphics, but the actual game. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think Square actually did us a huge favor by releasing that demo. Because I don't know about you, but there was a little bit of a learning curve with the combat style that they introduced for this. It took me quite a while. Like Not even with the demo. Um, with, uh, with the game in general... Um, like the the combat system itself, like the hack and slash, and then pausing to use spells and all that. That I mean, we were taught that pretty much in Final Fantasy fifteen. So once I got those mm-hmm. controls down, I was fine with it. The weird part for me was switching between characters and remembering to switch between characters. It is an absolute vital thing. In fact, you were the one that told me because I was like, you asked me before when I was first starting to play it. You're like, uh, how you doing? With, how you doing with the combat? I'm like, I just run with Cloud. Like, no, you need to switch. <laughs> no, and here's here's the funny thing. I I made it a point to play as much as I could. Just as Cloud, purely because of the fact that I don't mind Aerith 
her combat style is not my jam. I'll play as Tifa, and I'll have no problem with that. And Barrett takes a little getting used to. It wasn't until I realized that each one of the characters have special attack abilities with each weapon that they pick up, and you need to master them in order for it to carry over to the next weapon. It's like, oh, well, shit. Okay, I guess I'm doing round-robin style now. Right. Well, that, that, that was something that you pointed out to me, and I, had, and I, had not, I didn't even pick that up. Like I was, I was, I was playing it like a typical Final Fantasy in the sense of like once I picked up a new sword, the Buster Sword wound up in my inventory as yeah, man, it's it's gone now, it's garbage. No, yep. you could actually play this whole entire game using nothing but the Buster Sword if you level it up right. Exactly, and once I realized that you could upgrade every weapon, one of the cool things that I like is the fact that the SP points that you got for your character, those points were shared equally amongst every weapon that you have in your inventory and the weapons you pick up later on in the game. Oh, but so it, you can level these puppies up at the same time. It, it was a little annoying when you got a new, uh, when you got a new weapon and you're, 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 you kept all the other ones up to date, leveled and everything. Then that new weapon has 150 SP points. And you're like, God damn it. All right, get this one, get this one. Get this. <laughs> it, it, well, but let me ask you a question. That was Did one of my use... that was one of my nitpicks of the game was that it because each one had an individual uh, solar system skill tree, mm-hmm. it slowed the game down to to level these things up. I wish there was a generalized system to it to where once you already had it, like you got it on the Buster Sword. By the time you get to Hard Edge, Hard Edge already has those lit up because you already have them. Okay, that's a fair assessment of it. I'm going to take by basically you saying that, that did you take advantage of it automatically assigning those points for you? Or did you go into each tree and select what you wanted? Uh, in the beginning, I, I was choosy. I picked and choose, chose. But like um, when I got a new weapon and it would have the full SP point uh, pool... I would just, you know, push down, hit hit X, push down, hit X, push down, hit X to fill out the solar system, move on to the next one, fill out the solar system, move on to the next one. And then once I was low on points on the solar system I was at, that's when I would pick and choose again. But I, I was picking and choosing on current, but when, when I had a pool of it for past stuff that I already picked up before, mm. in, in some way, shape, or form, I just, you know, I ran through it to get as current as I could to get back to the game. Oh, no, I completely understand that because for me, I was picking and choosing all the way up until the second and last chapter, at which point I'm starting to get so frustrated with it. I said, you know what? I just want you to give me all attack for this character. I want you to balance out on this person, defense on Aerith, and just let the game choose for me because it was so it was exactly as you said it bogged it down a little bit and it's like come on i i don't want the game to end right now but i would like to keep progressing right right and that was one thing about this game one of the biggest concerns i had from the initial gate for final fantasy 7 remake was first learning that this was only going to be the midgar section you know, that they were going to be releasing this as a series, there were going to be other games, but Midgar in the original Final Fantasy VII was three to five hours at max on the first disc. Yeah, exactly, and that that's something that honestly blows my mind right now, still, was the number of people who have played this game, because uh, I'm a part of a few different groups on Facebook for, like, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, all different types of Square Enix games. Right. And so many people are bitching about the fact of like, oh my god, I didn't realize it was just a Midgar session. Guys, they announced the game five years ago and they straight up told us that it was just going to be from the beginning of the game to when you leave Midgar. Mm-hmm. They didn't They didn't hide this from us. We knew it was going to be like this for the last five years. But the fact that they were able to make, a, as you said, a three to five hour portion of the game into what essentially turned out to be, at least for me, about 35 hours. Mm-hmm. And that's just the initial playthrough. This game is designed that if you play on classic, easy, or normal mode and you beat the game, 
you could go back, do those chapters that you missed, pick up the things that you weren't able to get or weren't able to find, or unlock the 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 the, uh, the, the, the specials and the uh, the attacks and the materials that you mm-hmm. weren't able to unlock with uh, with Chadley. All these things are done, and you have a brand new game type to which, if you want to be a hundred percent completionist of the game, you have to play. They release a hard mode, which is. I haven't tried hard mode yet, but from what I understand of it, it changes the game completely. Does it really? From, I, I'm slightly terrified to try it. Well, from what I understand, these are just some of the things I understand of hard mode. Is that like you know how when you go to a bench and you rest and it replenishes your health and your 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 magic? Yeah. Uh, not anymore. Now it'll replenish your health, but magic slowly returns over time. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's not okay well you know what i take that back for me i out of curiosity were you using a lot of magic or were you using more of the personal character skills that you got with each weapon i was more of a skill guy but i i did use magic when i knew i had to like the first thing i did in a battle as soon as i got my first little meter bar up i would use access so not mm-hmm. only so that way i would get the information for chadley uh but also so that way i could find out what this creature's weakness was and if it was weak you know if it was a robot obviously it was weak to lightning i would yep. the, the, my next move would be let me get it close to staggering with a with a thunder or a thundera hit and then go back to skills. I, I was more of the skills guy, but I, I did using use magic sparingly. I made sure that I had the elemental materia on my weapon, and I had it. Typically, it was either the fire or the lightning materia connected to that, and I would just keep that on the entire time because chances are of somebody having a resistance to that one specific element was very low. Right. And it gave you a bonus attack damage on it. So it's like you're not going to lose much if you decide to go that route. But I was I was using a lot of magic early on. And, you know, that's not terrible. But for me, the way that I play, I don't dodge roll. I don't block very often. I just go all out attack. So I end up using Cure and Kiraga very often, unfortunately, on my playable character. I I was the same way. In fact, the only thing I didn't use a whole lot of, I think I used a whole three Phoenix Downs total in the whole entire playthrough that I did, is items. I really did. I like by the end of my playthrough, I had ninety nine potions. I didn't buy a one of them. I had fifty high potions. I didn't buy a one of them. This game was very generous on those on those items, and I never had a need to use them. No, and I was the exact same way for a good portion of it. I would utilize those benches to the best of my ability. If I needed to use potions, I I would use the potions in lieu of using cure after a battle, just so I could get them out of my inventory and I'm not wasting my MP. Right. But I mean, but over, but overall, that, in I, the battles... I never used any of yeah. the attack. I never use any of the attack elements or items. Did you? No, no, and I never did. I never did in in the original. But I don't do it in any Final Fantasy. It's very rare. That's not true. Final Fantasy X, because uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Riku, was designed to use items as as mm-hmm. specialty attacks. So outside of Riku and Final Fantasy X, I never used the attack items in a Final Fantasy game. I use them so sparingly that the only reason I have them is to sell them for Gil and so I could get better materia down the road. Other than that, they're just taking up space in my inventory. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so one of the things that the one of the things that I personally really enjoyed that they threw into this was the fact that they expanded on the avalanche team a little bit we got to learn a little bit more about them yeah them bastards um i (laughs) i'm sorry um i don't care so much for the character of wedge he kind of annoyed me oh no i agree with you in in this game however biggs and jesse 
you effing bastards for for making me care about these throwaway characters from the original game. Even though Biggs to me reminded me very much of uh Charlie Sheen in in like uh Hot Shots or or uh Platoon, you know. <laughs> I'm, you know something I'm so glad that you mentioned that because the later I got into the game, the more I would look at him, I would go why does this guy look familiar? Why is his character? Oh my God. He looks like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Fucking hell. Even the that way he delivered lines, it was, it was, it was a complete Charlie Sheen ripoff, you exactly. know, which I'm okay with. I, I love Biggs and as thirsty as she was, man, how could you not love Jesse? Oh no. Je- Jesse's had a place in my heart ever since I played the original game. When <laughs> when I I love her. She's fantastic. She's obviously a character that wasn't going to get a whole lot of steam because you knew who the playable characters were. But still, oh dear sweet god, man. First off, yeah, she was thirsty as fuck. <laughs> and boy did they ex- boy did they expand on that in that. Yes, they did. Like she she wasn't hiding how much she wanted Cloud's dick. Yeah, and and you know what? That that honestly was part of the appeal for this game for me was the fact that they expanded on those eventually going to be expendable characters. They showed us a side of them that they didn't show us in the original game, and obviously for good reason because the original game, like we've said before, five hours max in Midgar. That's it. Well, it went beyond even the characters in my mind. As I said in my playthrough, besides the characters, the world itself became a character. Like, even traversing between areas and sections in the original game, they were just portions of a map. Here, Mm -hmm. they were so alive. Even the the uh, uh, non-responsive NPCs, the ones that you don't go talk to 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 further quests or whatever you walk by mm-hmm. them you hear their conversation like like i said in the review you could smell you walk into like walmart for example you could smell the hot dogs and the stale popcorn and the spilt beer and the body odor like this world is alive everything it really ab- is. everything about this especially the slum section because we didn't spend as much time up top as as uh maybe they could have there was that one section where you go to Jesse's parents' house up top, you know, which was kind of neat. But most of it was down in the slums. And the slums was so realistically well presented that itself was a character. Exactly. And I, I couldn't put that better myself. That That's exactly the way that I feel about it. Is that you, like you said, we don't spend a lot of time topside, but for good reason. But, I mean... With the amount of time that we spent down in the slums, it felt like it came alive. It felt like Wall Market was Atlantic City. You could you could taste the environment. You could feel it in your bones. It was that alive. It was that vibrant. Mm-hmm. And even even traveling between the sections, when you're with Aerith, but on your way back to sector or sector seven. And you have to go through that sewage passage to go past Wall Market. Mm-hmm. That entire section where you're using the hands as cranes. I mean, that right there was like, what the hell, man? What Am I even playing this? Is this real life? What the hell? <laughs> I, I don't and, know how to describe it. And, and again, you know, uh, when, when we talk about like fully realizing and... and expanding on characters that even goes so far i know we're going to be kind of jumping around on this a little bit here we're not going to go play by play you know chapter one chapter two chapter three but the even even some of the villain characters not just i I don't mean like uh hedegger or or president shinra but i'm talking like they gave a reason for hell house to exist one of the dumbest enemies in final fantasy 7 had a legitimate reason to be there and that fight i hated that fight but it was such a cool fight (laughs) because he finally hell house finally made sense as opposed to just some random creature that you were just like i'm fighting a house (laughs) and you know what i'm I'm really glad that you mentioned that what's his name the guy that um is the head of Wall Market. Uh, 
Cornero. Cornio. Cornio. Never liked the guy in the original game. He has a much more expansive story in the original game. I'm really excited to see what we do with him later on down the road. But boy, did they invest a good amount of feeling into making you hate that guy even more in this. Am I the only one who saw uh, uh, in him the, the 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 animation for him, like a very heavy set version of Mickey Rourke, <laughs> the double chin, um, that weird grin? It, just, it reminded me of like Mickey Rourke in, oh, in the son wrestler. Of a bitch. <laughs> I am happy All though. Right. I am happy though when when <laughs> when Cloud when Cloud uh, dresses cross dresses and and you go to be chosen and you're in the bedroom with with Cornelio and then you know the girls bust in and and you're threatening to get the information from him or you're going to do things so I'm so glad they left that in you know the yep. I'll cut them off I'll bash them I'll I'll, you know, I'll rip them off I'm so oh, yeah. glad that was there because I was so afraid they were going to be like that's cheesy we're not going to keep that. That was oh, part no, of the not- charm of, of, of battling Corneo in the original game. I'm so thrilled they left that in. Not only <laughs> did they leave that in, they colored it up and they made it so much more personable that he, no matter how much you hate the guy, you flinched. Yeah. You flinched during that entire <laughs> process. Because, like, oh, damn. Well, can can we can we talk for a second of just the personalities of the main characters? Like you you like you you just said like the way it was delivered, you flinched and it was really like kudos to the actors. Like they grabbed people that either were the original voice actors for Advent Children or at least people who sounded like a lot of the original actors from Advent Children. Cloud that- was Perfect. Like people bitched in Advent Children that he was a little too emo, but you got to remember it's two years after all the events and shit. It made sense. In this one, Cloud's a straight badass who's completely uninterested in anything but getting the job done and getting paid. And it is delivered beautifully. Well, and that was something I was going to bring up later, but we'll talk about it now. They... I fi- I want to say that they used either the same or someone dead freaking close for the voice actor for Cloud. Outside of that, though, Aerith, Red Thirteen, Tifa, Barrett, different characters, hundred percent different VAs. Can can I be can I be truthful for a minute and and I will admit my own racism. I'm so thrilled with Barrett's voice acting because when I played <laughs> please tell me I'm not the only one when you originally played Final Fantasy VII and you're reading his dialogue, all you heard was Mr. T. No, no, you're 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 not alone on that at all. In my head he always had that Mr. T like that fucking pizza up there. It's, and and the way that the voice actor delivered Barrett, like, oh, it was beautiful. You know, it was just gruff enough that it's like, yeah, that's kind of what I had in my head. But it wasn't, I pity the fool, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the thing, one of the things that really actually made me a little angry was I felt like they went a little too rough on Barrett in this. It felt a little too rough around the edges for him. And I realized that as you play further in the original game, he softens up, you realize more of his story and all of that. And we're not there yet by any stretch of the imagination. But there were a couple of points where even I'm looking at him like, dude, shut up. See, I was the opposite um, because I felt they softened him a little too soon, especially towards the end of the game where he, you know, where at least in my playthrough, I guess, I guess the, the, the reactions are different depending on how the characters interacted, how you had the characters interact throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, but Barrett had showed up to me and was talking about how he's got my back. Nope, I got the same. You know, and to me, it's like that's a little early. Now, see, one of the things that I actually really enjoyed was, and I don't know about you, did you think that Aerith was more of a badass? I love the way Aerith is in this game. I actually like I, her better I, than than I did in the original game because in the original game I would not use Aerith. 
And yes, nope, I'm saying either. I would. I'm saying her name right, Aerith, because the character felt like a, a, a stupid little teenage girl to me. And in this one, there's just this sweet innocence, but somebody who is not afraid of her purpose in life. Mm-hmm. She would. I don't know who the voice actress was, or the the you know between her her delivery of lines and just the beautiful beautiful rendition and animation of Aerith. She looked like a girl next door that you would just instantly be drawn to want to be friends with. Absolutely. And, she and, had that energy about her that even if it was a video, despite the fact that it's a video game, you want to jump in there and you want to interact with her yourself, not as the character, but you and her. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you, of course, you got your sex appeal in Tifa, who also has a personality of somebody that you would want to know. And, yes. and that, that was the greatest thing about it. Like Barrett was rough around the edges, you know, borderline psychotic uh, uh, terrorist. But then you have Aerith and, 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 and Tika and, and Jesse and Biggs and I'll say Wedge. <laughs> and these guys were lovable characters that would be like the buddies in high school you wanted to hang around. It was really, really well done. And I have to applaud Square Enix. Yes, they took a little longer than we were originally anticipating the game to come out. And yes, it did get delayed a little bit. But you know what? As compared to, and yes, I realize I'm going to be eating my words a little bit here, compared to the delays that they gave for Kingdom Hearts 3, these were changes that I feel were exceedingly well done, and I feel bad that they weren't received as positively as I would have liked it to be. It still has been received positively, but there's still some people bashing it, and I'm just sitting here thinking, dude, just shut up. No, this this game was fantastic. Square Enix knocked this so far out of the park. You can't. They're in the next ball game. Well, see that I think I think part of the problem is, and and I, I again I say that this in my own personal review, and this is a personal opinion. So you know, take this with a grain of salt. But okay. part of my enjoyment of Final Fantasy VII Remake, besides the fact that I get to step back into this world, be with these characters again, see them in a new light, as I described it, uh, seeing them as my imaginative eye, mind's eye saw them playing this uh, 32-bit graphic PS1 back 20-some-odd years ago, you know was phenomenal. But the, the, the time the way I enjoyed this game, more was when I was able to finally say this is not Final Fantasy 7. No. This is not meant to be Final Fantasy 7 with a new coat of paint. This is its own entity. And once I stopped looking at it through the eyes of nostalgia goggles, I appreciated it that much more. So, you know what? That actually brings up an incredibly good point. We're about halfway through the podcast. Why don't we start talking about some of the changes that they made into Final Fantasy VII Remake? And one of the ones that I'd like to start off with is the summons. The fact that they hand you a couple of the major game-changing summons in essentially what we have said, the first three to five hours of the game, but in the remake... And we suddenly have four of the top tier grade summons available at our disposal. There's a fifth one. Uh, da, da, the, oh, and you can only you, and you can only get it when you complete Chandry's shit. When you complete uh, when you complete Chandry's shit, not only do you get Ifrit and and Shiva and Chocobo and Chocobo Mog and and Leviathan. You get all those. You, you that's great. You know you you you. But when you complete Chadri's shit in Shinra's tower in their their little battle arena thing, uh-huh. he will give you one more virtual reality battle to do where you've got to face all the summonses. Oh bloody hell! And the final one, which is from what I understand the hardest boss in Final Fantasy VII Remake. But when you beat it, you get him. Bahamut Prime. Bullshit. Bahamut Prime. Well, I'm never getting him. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I, I mean, I mean, most of the other ones, except for Fat Chocobo, you got in Midgar. You no, you, you did. Didn't. In in the original in the original game, you got Ifrit, Shiva, Rama, Chocobo, Mog, and in the sewers after after Corneo drops you from his bedroom is where you find uh-huh. Leviathan. You did find those in Midgar. No. Mm. Okay. Granted. I never played it originally on the PlayStation 1. I played it on the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, and the Nintendo Switch. So, yes, these have been updated a little bit. They have had a couple of things added in to make the gameplay a little more streamlined. So, I could be wrong here. But Leviathan, I know for a fact, was not something you could get in Midgar. Leviathan was a Wutai summon. And I can't say any, I don't remember Shiva, and I don't remember Rama. I know Infreet was Midgar, and I'm sure that Moogle and Chogobo were Midgar. But I'm everyone actually, else, as far as I re- remember, was outside of that area. I'm actually shocked that they went with uh, Fat Chocobo and with, now that I know, uh, Bahama Prime over Rama. Actually, to be to be completely honest, I'm surprised because normally the, the, the three that you always get in a Final Fantasy game is lightning, fire, and ice. So mm-hmm. you so you always get uh Katakotl or or you know, Rama as as your lightning guy, and we didn't get that in seven at all. And that was actually something that kind of disappointed me a little bit because I would have loved to have had a lightning summon for some of those fights. But, you know, it, it is what it is. They they spoiled us in this game with the amount of summons. And now that I know that they've included Bahamu Prime, I'm, I might dive back in to try to complete those missions and see if I can't at least see what that fight looks like. Oh, I totally am. I, 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 want, <laughs> I want Bahama Prime. But, I mean, this, the, the, the mechanics for the, the summons is a bit of a controversy for some people. I like it. I like, I like it, but I don't like it i like the fact that they kind of took from final fantasy 12 and when you summon the creature he becomes a fourth member of the team in final fantasy 12 when you summoned your your summon it would replace the rest of your party but your the person who summoned him and and the 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 summons would stay together and fight until a meter went out and then that summons you could do your final deal with and they and, did the same with Final Fantasy Thirteen, Right, and they kind of did the same thing with this, except you still have your other two party members. So you got four people fighting. That's great. And then when his meter runs out, he just automatically does his, his grand finisher, you know, Hellfire or whatever, what have you, you know, which was awesome. I love that. I love that mechanic, but I hated the fact that I didn't get to pick and choose when the summon showed up. The summon that- itself would show up when it deemed itself needed. And that right there is where I have to agree with you entirely as well. Because I'm thinking I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking when the final edition comes out and we have what essentially I'm hoping to be, see is every summon under the stu- under the star or stars, excuse me, and you're up against Sephiroth and he's in that second form. That is the biggest bitch and a half. <laughs> you're only allowed one thing that I don't like about the summons in this game is you're only allowed to have one summon come out per fighting sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those players that will mass spawn summon attack and just obliterate an opponent as far down before I start using my main characters. And I can't do that with this game. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm right there with you. If we if we get that world, if we get that Final Fantasy world where we where the time because we're going to be talking about this a little bit here, uh, where the time loop because that that's the way I'm looking at it. Like if Final Fantasy VII is a straight line, Final Fantasy VII remake has kind of created its own timeline, and I'm hoping they bend it back into place and for the end and if they do when you're facing ultimate fucking Sephiroth you better allow me to do fucking Knights of the Round (laughs) I'm just saying I better be able to do Knights of the Round (laughs) here's here's part of the thing that 
You and I were talking about this the other night. We think that there's a possibility that this is going to do a little bit of a curve similar to how the new Star Trek movies went in. They went on the regular timeline and then took a hard right and suddenly is a parallel timeline to the original. We've seen some things that have potentially changed the world that we are used to. Mm-hmm. Whether they have changed or not has yet to be known. We have to wait for the next game and we'll get more of an insight. Well, I but, think I think I think they pretty much told us that it, everything has changed because of the fact that they the way that it ended, the final phrase in the whole entire thing was the words popping up, their unknown journey begins. That's literally square to me, Square Enix telling telling us the players, this ain't gonna be the game you think it is. I didn't get that title. You didn't? After they were all standing there in the sunlight and they made their vow to go get Sephiroth and it kind of goes up into the sky and you, you just white oh. white uh, I, white letters come across. And, and it said, uh, their unknown journey is about to begin. Oh, no, I did get that. Never mind. But what I thought you were talking about was at the end of the credits. Oh, no, there's no, no. Another, there's another piece that comes up that says their story will continue. Mm -hmm. So that's where I came up with the idea of there's a possibility where we are going to diverge a little bit, but we need to see the next game in order to get confirmation on that. And one of the big things that has me thinking that this there, we are on a new timeline. Did Zach survive his, his final battle? I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know. I, I see because in Crisis Core, we had a beat for beat the exact same thing, uh, scene, and that's what I'm talking about. And Zach yep. dies in that, and Cloud yes. walks away with the Buster Sword. Yes. But in this scene, he's standing there. All the Shinra soldiers are dead, and then our characters are walking by Cloud being carried. Still alive, but being carried by Zack towards Midgar. So, so, is Zack alive? And if so, where is he? Or is this another reality that is now kind of diverging into uh, this Midgar reality, for lack of a better term, because uh-huh. of the, the, the feeding of, of the Whisperers and in the Harbinger of Fate? Exactly. And as someone, someone who played these games a little bit wacky. I played Crisis Core first before okay. I played the original Final Fantasy. So I knew about Zack. I knew about the Turks. I knew about the backstory to Sephiroth and Angeal and Genesis. And the fact that these guys actually got kickbacks in this game. Can we talk about real quickly the fact that Genesis actually did get a very brief mention in this game? Mm-hmm. And yes, the did. fact that I almost threw my controller into the ceiling, enjoy hearing the fact that he got briefly mentioned by Ojo. <laughs> I was loving it. Uh, I, but, again, I, I, even with the villains, I love I, the only one I was kind of disappointed that I uh, disappointed in was uh, Head Digger because I had a completely different personality in my head for him. No, he he hit the nail right on that for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was right with that being said he was still a very well fleshed out character he just wasn't what i was where everybody else hit in the way that i expected them to hit he didn't hit the way i thought he would and that was yeah. that's that's me that was my own head cannon battling with what's there you know what i mean <laughs> so it's not anything on him or the actor or how they portrayed him it's just you know from the the original polygon 3ds i'm like i saw him being completely different (laughs) no i mean for for me when i played it i was looking at the dialogue i was looking at how they granted 32 bit you can only get so much expressionism out of that right when i was look when i was playing final fantasy 7 for the first time or even the second or third time i had head digger basically going the exact way that they portrayed him in Final Fantasy VII Remake. See, so I s- when I saw that, I was like, I was quite okay with it. See, me, I, I guess in my head, I had kind of a gruffer John Goodman, almost, type sadistic <laughs> character for him, you know, because he was a heavyset polygon in, in, in 
in the original, and he was always laughing there. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I kind of just put it with like John Goodman as as uh, as Connor in 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 fucking Roseanne, just evil, like an evil yeah. Connor. You know what I mean? Dan Connor is is yeah. kind of how I saw him. So when they portrayed him in Seven Remake, I'm like. Well, that's not what I had in mind, but I'll go with it. Right on. Let's do this. <laughs> so to diverge off of that for a second, something else that they incorporated into this, and I'm not sure if you caught this or not. It wasn't until I did. I I actually fucked up. I, I, I went through the final battle my first time. I went through it. I beat the... I got all that taken care of, and then I went into the Sephiroth battle. I went into the Sephiroth battle very, very bad. So I actually had to turn off my game and walk away for a little bit because I was very mad at myself. Turn it up back on and realize that it didn't start me at Sephiroth. I had to do the entire thing all over again. (laughs) Which made you even more mad. (laughs) Just a little bit, yeah. But doing that, I noticed something. They recycled clips from Advent Children in that fight with the fate. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they, I, I, I didn't catch that it was exactly beat for beat, but I was it like, was. there. But I, but I did see very similar, very much similarities between the battle between Cloud and Sephiroth from in Advent Children and to what you do in in this. Which, by the way, when we talk about diverging. There was no way I was expecting to face Sephiroth at the nope. end of this fucking game. Not at nope. all. Nope, I was not. I was prepared to take on those fates, to beat everything out, and then continue on our merry way to hunt Sephiroth. I was not ready emotionally, mentally, gameplay wise. I was not ready to face the silver haired fox. Which, even worse, not only do you face him, and he's a badass in his own right, you face him as the one-winged angel, too. Oh, God bless it. I, <laughs> I was... Just no. There was nothing about that that I was ready for. Oh, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise, and, and I mean, it still worked because it's it's you didn't necessarily face him exactly. You faced, like, a memory of him. Yeah. But it's still, like... What, I'm facing Sephiroth? What the fuck? (laughs) But, actually, something that I'm curious to get your opinion on real fast. Mm -hmm. After that fight, the whole cutscene that we see between Cloud and Sephiroth in that other dimension space, whatever the hell it was. Right. I want your take on what the hell we just saw in that scene because i went through that scene and i scratched my head a little bit at the end of it of okay something huge is coming and i don't think that i'm going to guess exactly what it is well in the original game in the original game we don't actually physically see sephiroth until we make it to the uh the north crater and you find out that he you know he was kind of encased in in materia uh, from the live stream, right? Because yes. he, he fell into the live stream and shit. I think we're still facing that aspect. So really, the Sephiroth that we're 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 seeing is projection, and I very much got that in the fact that like when when Cloud went to swing out at him, and you know he the the the, the sword strikes true, but it winds up being like rocks, like a statue or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very much psychological to Cloud. Now, obviously, the other characters saw Sephiroth, so I don't know how they're playing off this projection thing, if they're using the remnants as as them or as Sephiroth, or if they're using, like, Sephiroth is, is that powerful within the live stream that he's making these manifestations of himself for them to interact with in some way, shape, or form. I think that has to be explained. But I think it's still leading because the whole entire purpose of Sephiroth was constantly letting Cloud know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting in the North Crater for you to arrive. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm, it, I, it, again, it just goes into the fact of I'm very eager to see what Square Enix dishes out next. Because the next game, I can't even speculate what they're going to throw in for the next game in terms of the content. I don't think anyone can at this point. 
that I could I could speculate things I want to see in the next game. Uh, yeah. the, you know, again, some of the some of the some of the things that I was not too thrilled with. What kept me from giving this game a completely ten rating, even with that ending, and the ending was not a bad. I want people to be, understand when I say that ending. I don't necessarily mean it was a god awful ending. I mean no. it was a confusing as fuck ending. But again, I have to remember this is not the complete game. Part two is going to be coming. You know, so this is this is this is season one cliffhanger. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which then begs the question of how me- Square Enix, as we know, will milk something for all that it's worth, and <laughs> that's nothing new that by any stretch of the imagination. How many games do you think that they're going to put out if they continue with this context for how they're making the remake? You want me to speculate? Yes. I say there's seven games. Would make sense. I say I'm, I'm 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 pacing it out in my head, and I'm thinking that maybe there was going to be five, but seven sounds like a better number minus the fact of Final Fantasy VII and all that good shit. That's why but I say seven. I think they're going to play off that number. I I just hope that they don't take five years per game. And obviously, right now with the present climate that we're living in, there's a possibility of something like that happening, but. I hope that they space these games out just a little bit tighter because eventually there is going to come a great demand for it and they're going to overcome that demand and people are just not going to care anymore. Well, see, part of part of my issue with this game, I don't know, did they ever make clear if it's going to be released as as games or if it's going to be released as like add-on, Not I don't want to use DLC because I know they said there was no DLC for this game, but like add-on to it. Like I don't have to go out and buy a physical copy of Part 2. I could just buy Part 2 that connects to my Part 1 physical copy. You know and what there I mean? Right there is the rub that a lot of people are asking themselves is, are we going to have to dish out $60 for another hard copy or digital copy of the next chapters of this game? And if so, what happens to my previous save and progress? Well, I, got- I know a lot of people who are going to grind on to level 100 in this iteration. Well, the, ma- it- the, the cap is 50. Oh, it is? Yeah, the cap is 50 in this. It, you, you won't get any higher until the next game. Okay, so then that, again, just begs the question of, is there going to be a progress trade-over like there was in the original games? Because the original games came out as a three-disc set. Mm-hmm. As far as I understand, that it, it is supposed to carry over, but herein lies my problem. By the time we get the next game, which, if we get it in a year, obviously it's going to be on this, this generation console, you know, uh, PS4. But, you know, in the next two years, three years, isn't PS5 coming? What happens then? PS5 is actually slated to come out this holiday season. They they haven't changed that yet. Even with the present climate with COVID-19 going on, the new Xbox and the new PlayStation are still slated to come out this holiday season. Okay, well then, again, you know they're going to release them on next gen. Are they going to still produce the last gens? And for the next gen people, are they going to have to buy Final Fantasy 1 again? Uh, or remake Final Fantasy VII remake one again and play it again to have the continuation on to the new co- the next generations. These are things I honestly can't answer that question. I can't even speculate on that answer. That that these are things that I'm I'm wondering. You know that I'm that I'm sitting here thinking about uh, with this game. And I mean, like like we were saying when when we come to season two or episode two, whatever you want to call it, part two. Uh, I hope they do address some of the issues in the game. Like one of the things that irked me to no end, there are two things that irked me to no end in this game was Go there were certain sections where they decided your character had to walk slow as fucking balls, or they took away your control of camera movement because of dialogue or whatever else where you couldn't check your surrounding areas. And I can't help but feel like I missed something because of that. And like I said, the, the the slow walk annoyed the piss out of me. No, and I understand exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about those sections where it's like you're walking on a high wire above the plate, or if you're walking in between two walls 
trying to get from point A to point B. No, those, those didn't bother me. I'm talking about like you got your character at a sprint or run, and then all of a sudden they decide when you go into the next section, he's got to walk, and he's got to walk as slow as he can because they're de- delivering dialogue or whatever. And it, 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 didn't, it didn't stop the game. It didn't turn into a full CGI. They're just making you walk that slow. And they okay, decide no, to and they decide to change the camera angle to show, I guess, reactions or whatever as you're walking for this dialogue. And it's like, but I want to watch what's in front of me. I want to watch what's around me in case there's a fucking treasure chest I'm missing. Yeah, no, you, I you know what I mean. Shit like that, like, give me back my control. And even with the dialogue, unless it's a, a cutscene, if I want to sprint, let me sprint. so one of one of the other things that both pissed me off but on the other end of the coin made me incredibly happy the fact that you see obviously you see red 13 in this game because you get introduced to him in the midgard section however you can't play as him and I I was I, happy there, about there that. Be, I was there, happy be about some that. Some people who will fight me on that. Of yes, you have some limited control of him. You do not have proper control of him. But I'll let you go ahead and speak. Why are you happy about that? Well, because at this point, when you finally get Red Thirteen in this game, and again, you got to remember this isn't Final Fantasy VII proper, where you've got two more discs, and after you get out of Midgar, you can go do whatever the hell you want. In this game, you're two chapters away from completing the game when you when you finally even meet Red Thirteen. You okay. are at this point. You've already got four characters who are very well developed. You, if you played right, yes. To throw at that late of the stage another character that you have to grind up and level up and get the the components to be able to to have him learn all his specials and skills to be where everybody else is is a terrible idea. So I like oh, okay. the fact I like the fact that Red 13 was kind of a quote unquote guest. So that way you can uh, he will become a physically usable character next game. And I'm, I'm, I agree with you. When you when you put it that way, I can understand, and I'm not as angry about Red Thirteen not being a playable character. He's one of my core characters to play, so I was really excited to be able to get that chance, and then to be robbed of it, I was a little hurt at that. That's that's but funny because other- my core guys. By the time I face Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII, and every time I play it, uh, I my core guys, the guys that are standing there, are Cloud. Sid and Vincent every time. I just I love that combination. <laughs> That's not a bad combination at all. Not in the slightest, man. But the the other thing that caught my eye and really intrigued me, we see Kate Seth during the collapse of the seven sector seven plate. That was neat. That was neat, but a little confusing why they would they would uh show Kate Sith already. Granted he wasn't riding the Moogle. No, but but he wasn't, he wasn't riding the Moogle. But if anything, for the for people who aren't going into this a hundred percent blind, who do have the backstory of Final Fantasy VII behind them, I actually enjoyed the brief clip it of him because during the entire game leading up to this, you know that the person that is operating him, Reeve, is not entirely on board with everything that Shinra is doing. So to see him piloting Kate Sith, trying to get out to Sector 7 to warn Avalanche and realizing he's too late, I actually thought that was a very good addition into the game. Well, I I, I get that, but I, I would have been happier if they would have shown Reeve himself as opposed to Kate Sith. And the reason of being is like, uh, for again, I'm thinking about people who have never, that this is their first experience with Final Fantasy, okay, or 7. In general, not Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy VII. Maybe they never played the original game. For those people, I'm kind of sad that it's already been revealed, Kate Sith, being upset at the destruction of Midgar and everything else. Because if you remember in the original
emotional game. You don't meet Kate Sith until the gold saucer. And at that point, you think he's a buffoon uh, yep. toy, you know, whatever. And later on, you find out he's a spy and and, and everything. Um, you know, the story as it goes. I think people who are playing and experiencing this for the first time are kind of getting robbed because the cat, forgive the pun here, the cat is already out of the bag. You know that Kate Sith is upset at what Shinra has done. So you know in the end he's going to wind up joining the group and, and, and everything. It, it, it kind of spoils the fun of, of the character of Kate <laughs> Sith when you meet him proper in, in Cosmo Canyon and, and the Gold Saucer. Okay, no, that that's a good understanding on that, in which case I see where your point is for that. So, For everybody else, yeah, it was great to see Kate Sith, and it was great to see that even though you know he's a toy, he's a robot, they designed him really well. Like, even the, the, the hair movement, the fur movement from from like the the wind and it's shit gorgeous. it was beautiful yeah <laughs> which is really weird because Kate Sith was one of those characters that I was looking at like I'm probably not going to like him in more realistic atmosphere am I you know and, yeah. it, and surprisingly no I I I was very impressed with what I saw of him what little I saw of him now granted wait choice <laughs> right in the mog <laughs> wait wait until he's writing the mug and wait until we see how everything progresses with that because one of the other things that i touched on it briefly early on in the episode here they did not recycle the original va from advent children into this game they might have done it with cloud but everyone else had a different voice after and if they don't have someone doing a similar voice to kate sith later on down the road like they did in advent children that one's going to upset me a little bit because i like that scottish accent that he was doing <laughs> well i think i think uh, they have to use the the voice actor who did reeve but i think they have to have the voice actor doing that high-pitched scottish accent you know yeah. uh so that way when it's re- revealed that kate sith is controlled by reeve at shinra headquarters it's like you could hear it then, and it's like, oh, I get it. You know what I mean? So, so Yeah, exactly. So I, I noticed that we're starting to get tight on time, so I'm going to pose one more question to you before we do our outro here. All favorite right. boss fight or favorite boss fight and most difficult boss fights? Most difficult was definitely uh, uh, the Harbinger. The, okay. the, the, the Harbinger uh, of Fate was... It took me a minute to really realize what was going on, you know, with it. Like, you got those three little dudes you're fighting on, and he's out there in the background, and I'm expecting to throw... You're going to have to do, like, Barrett and Aerith fucking, you know, ranged Mm -hmm. attacks at him and shit like that to even slightly do damage to him. It took me a minute to realize that every time I took out one of those little dudes, he was getting hurt. You know, but, uh, which obviously changed my strategy, but I was, I was, I struggled with him even when I figured it out. He was a tough fight, but the most memorable, ironically, I've got to say it, Hell House. (laughs) I did not expect to have that much fun with a character, uh, an enemy character in a Final Fantasy series that I despised that much as it in my life i hated hell house house in in seven but in remake god that's a fun boss fight <laughs> <laughs> nah that that boss fight took me two tries to get through but that was a good one i enjoyed it as well my my memorable one isn't going to come until later on down the road but for me memorable was probably going to have to be me facing off against um, Rude and what's his name? Redhead, arrogant bastard turtle. Oh, oh, uh, Rude and, and, uh... oh, I'm going to hate I, myself. I, yeah, I know. I'm going to hate myself for this. Uh, uh, yeah. We'll be done recording and I'll be like, God damn it, that was his name. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, for me, Reno. the fact that. Thank you. Reno, yes. Because because of the fact that I played the original game, or Crisis Core first, I got to know them on a different level 
So when I went to play the original game and I was fighting against them, those were fights that I actually struggled a little bit with. And right. this one, I I handed them their asses on a platter. <laughs> I enjoyed those fights so much, and I know I've got good fights coming later on with them. You know but who was a surprising me, badass for a boss fight? It, it was uh, was Rufus Shinra. And you literally stole my thunder. That <laughs> Sorry. Was, hands down, most difficult fight that I had. That was the only fight I had a wiki in order to figure out how to beat him. <laughs> I was having... I could not lay a hit on him to save my freaking life. He was surprisingly difficult. And uh, I... You know what? I am so excited to go down this path and to know more about Rufus. Because I know enough about him from Advent Children, but, you know, this right here, I think, is going to be an exciting way for us to learn more about this. Oh, yeah. If they continue the trend, if they continue the trend of what they were doing, uh, uh, of really fleshing out the characters that much more, whether in cutscenes or or in just, you know, as you're progressing through the game, doing a little side quests and shit like that. Yeah, I expect we should be able to get a lot more out of Rufus Shinra. But I mean, uh, the other thing, it just real quick, I want to throw out there because uh, because we were talking about speculations for for part two. I hope because this one was a little linear and it, it kind of had to be. You're in Midgar. Yeah. In the original game, it was kind of linear because it was Midgar. You didn't really get the open world experience until you stepped outside of Midgar. I kind of hope they open the world up a little bit. I, I am in the exact same boat as you. It doesn't need to be so expansive that it takes you 10 minutes to get from Midgar to the Chocobo Ranch on the same continent. But let, let's have something open world similar to what we had in 15. Yeah. Give me the option because, to go to go places out, outside of what would be the main story track. Exactly. And, I mean, depending on just how far we get in terms of the second game, we might only get the main continent that we're on for the second game. And before we travel over, and that's when that game will end. I don't know. Right. But, I mean... Get, let us be free. Let us be free to have fun, ride our chocobos, and kick people's asses. The Midgar <laughs> Serpents. <laughs> that fight's going to be a pain in the ass. Oh my god, can you imagine? He was a pain in the ass in the original game. Can you imagine him in that game mechanic? Oh god, there's so many fights we're going to face later on down the road that are just going to e either be nightmare fuel or get us so much redemption we're going to be cheering when we beat them. <laughs> And and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to your our special edition Press A Gaming. Uh, Chris, do you want to tell us where we can find you? Sure can. But the first thing I'll do is uh, I gave my my overall review of this game uh, nine point nine point four out of out of ten out of ten. Uh, the recommendation, obviously, is that I, I can't tell you to go out and spend sixty dollars on this game. I don't feel right in doing that, but I would say. For you, the listener, play this game and form your own opinion of it. But now that I said that, because I know Dark Angel has played this game, has his own opinion of it, out of 10, <laughs> what is your rating? For me, this was this was 9.5. I, I, Final Fantasy VII has always had a special place in my heart in the Final Fantasy franchise. I was going to buy this game no matter what. I was going to give it a, it due. And yes, there were aspects of this game that I wasn't either crazy about or I had difficulty with. But at the end of the day, this game captivated me in a similar fashion that the original did. And I'm, I'm in the same boat as Chris, ladies and gentlemen. I can't tell you to go out and shell out 60 bucks on this game. But if you are like me, or if you're like Chris, who has been a part of the Final Fantasy franchise for however long it's that you have been, and this is something that speaks to you, and you want to give it a shot, I implore you, give it the due diligence it's due, and just enjoy your time in Midgar, because this was a fantastic ride. 
And I am so excited to see what we do later on down the road. See, I couldn't say it better myself. But you know what I can say? You can find me right here at Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Press A Gaming Podcast with Zephyr hosting when he returns uh, after we give him back the microphone or any of the <laughs> other podcasts. Just make sure you hit the like button, share, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you think of Final Fantasy VII. Have you played it? Have you beat it? What did you think of it? What do you think of our, our uh synopsis do you think it was good or bad in in some way shape or form leave a comment down below let us know also make sure you go over to our sister channel sounds dicey gaming where my wild high reviews of final fantasy 7 is but also all our video game let's plays and tabletop content including the returning chronicles of the lost realm season two three weeks away we are coming back so you guys are gonna have to check that out and of course if you prefer your podcast in audio only format we got you covered check out realm of the mist entertainment on anchor.fm apple itunes spotify pandora or wherever quality podcasts can be heard very well said as always chris thank you uh <laughs> this is this has been ua black wings in for zephyr zero um you can find me as always entertainment guest hosting on after hours on uh good lord what else have i been on i've been on the stock drawer i have been on this episode one of my new podcast journey to the east with zephyr zero is actually out now for you to listen to on apple on pandora on spotify anchor wherever you can hear your quality podcasts please give it a listen like subscribe Hit that notification bell for more updates from us. We're looking forward to it. It's a great podcast for you to listen to. And, you know, nothing else to be said. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave a comment down below for your own opinions on everything. And we'll see you next time. And as always, press A for more top-tier gaming information and podcasting. And this one's for the planet. Have a good night, guys. (laughs) 